1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we are back. It's been a couple weeks. It was not an intentional break, but sometimes Mother Nature has her own plans. How are you doing? You ready to get back on it? How's the house? It's good. It's dry. Yeah. Uh, there were no yeah. busted pipes in my house, uh, thankfully. If you're if you're wondering where we've been and why we have not been recording, we we had plans to record here in the last several days, but as many of you know, I, uh, I live in Houston, Texas, and we had the fortune of going through a, a uh, little bit of a power outage situation here earlier this week. Uh, Mike, it got down to as far as like 13 degrees, which I don't care like where you live. You, you don't get to, you know, poo poo like, Oh, you, you, you know, soft little Southerners when it gets down to 14 degrees, that's cold. It's real cold. It's real cold. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we uh, we lost power at the house for a solid 36 hours. Um, we just, in the last maybe six hours or so, got done with a boil water notice. I guess water pressure around the city was so low that they couldn't, uh, couldn't promise water quality, and so you had to boil all of your drinking water. So that's been fun. Um, really just been a hell of a week, Mike, and... Needless to say, I'm I'm very happy to be back here talking about ACC football and moving on and putting all that behind us. Because, yeah, trying times, trying times. You try entertaining a toddler for a day and a half without access to power or the internet or anything; it's a mess.
0: The uh, you tried award goes to Texas state of state government officials, like yeah, I, I don't
1: know, energy producers of Texas. Yeah, yes yeah um, Brian Van Gorder I pipes. cannot I cannot confirm that he is but I cannot confirm that he's not involved with them either right. uh, who's to say <laughs> right.
0: who's to say these days
1: yeah it's a mess but needless to say we are still a podcast Mike and we are still recording and trying to put out content here all through the off season. so keep it tuned here just a little hiccup in the schedule but uh, yep. we wanted to get back here and, and uh, get a little something out here before we do resume our uh, our team recap series
0: Yes, I will say prior to Mother Nature intervening, we had been doing a pretty decent job, I think, getting content out on a weekly basis here in the offseason. We'd like to continue that here. And unfortunately, with the weather the way that it was and the power situation, there's only so much within the control of Joey and I. So thanks for bearing with us.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, um, it, it was not a fun uh, Not a fun week, that's for sure. You know, we, we were stressed out and it was... Uh... It was one of those things, more like where you know the power goes out and you, you don't really know when it's going to come back on. And you know, it seemed like people were getting it back and then losing it again. Um, nobody really expected to be losing it in the first place, for the most part. You know, if it's like if if a hurricane's coming, yeah, maybe I'll have the power go out. And if if it's going to be an ice storm, like yeah, like you know, you might have a tree branch fall and knock out a power line or whatever, but that'll only really take a day or two for somebody to come out and fix, like no big deal. But when It's like you know it's going to be cold, but that doesn't knock power out, and then it does. And now you know you're kind of up a creek. I haven't downloaded any Netflix, or you know, I can't even charge my phone or whatever, you know. So it's uh, yeah, quite a week, but ready to move on here. Yep, for sure. So, anyways, Mike, we do have a couple things we wanted to talk about tonight. um some ACC football related, some not, and uh, we'll we'll save that for here in just a minute. This, I, I will say this, it is. Uh, it's been a pretty quiet and boring time for the ACC here the last couple of weeks. Not a lot of news has really come out. Um, so that's kind of the other piece of this is that we haven't had a ton to talk about. Uh, but I will say, Mike, this week in particular, as we record here Sunday uh, the 21st on the evening of Sunday the 21st, this is a big week for this podcast, but we will come back to that here in a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Little it teaser. is. It's a, it's a huge week, as a matter of fact.
1: A <laughs> little teaser. A little teaser um mike the 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 acc football content we did want to talk about tonight um we got official sp plus projections from bill conley here about 10 days ago you want to start looking at those
0: i think we have no choice based on (laughs) what you just said there a minute ago the fact that we don't really have much else to talk about so (laughs) i think we're just gonna have to go down the rankings
1: it's kind of the best we got yeah um yeah. So let's do this. Um, let's, let's go through these. We've got rankings for all 14 teams as it relates uh, nationally, and we'll do them in order from from uh, best to worst. And what I want to want to do is basically just go through this exercise of you know too high, too low, just about right. Goldilocks and three bears. Yeah. You know, how, how we doing with that? So, um, So let, let's start at the top. Obviously. The Clemson Tigers, once again, projected to be the best team in the ACC. They are projected to be the number two team in the country by SP Plus, um, about a two point margin between them and Alabama for number one. Mike, number two overall, number one in the ACC. Too high, too low, just right. That
0: seems like it adds up, huh? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I, yeah.
1: I don't have a good argument that against adds up.
0: It. Yeah, I mean, un- until they start not making the playoff and. Not making the national championship on at least a biannual basis, I think we're, <laughs> I think we're gonna have to accept the fact that they're one of the top two or three teams in the country.
1: Yeah, completely. Let me let me ask you this: um, realizing that they lose Trevor Lawrence, realizing that they lose mm-hmm. Travis Etienne, uh, and they've uh, a lot of that. Is there can you make an argument that Clemson in twenty twenty one will be better than Clemson in twenty twenty? I kind of feel like I could. could. I like
0: I... You could. Uh, I agree with you. You could. And the reason why I think you could is because I think they will be better on both sides of the ball in the trenches.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was um, I was focused more so on, on defense, um, figuring that yeah. there was a lot of youth, especially in that front seven last year. Yep. Um, yep. But you, you're correct, too, that on the offensive line, I mean, there was plenty of room for growth there.
0: Yeah, Brian Brissy, I mean, he'll be coming into his own in his second year of the program. We should get Tyler Davis back healthy. Uh, Xavier Thomas still with the program.
1: Miles and, Murphy's you know, back. He's
0: healthy and, yeah, healthy and ready to go. I mean, that's another guy who's, you know, a weapon, a defensive end, as a pass rusher. So, yeah, I mean, Clemson specifically on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you're not going to find many teams with better depth than Clemson has. Um, as far as the pass rushing positions are concerned and the ability to really stop opposing offenses at the point of attack. So my initial takeaway from this, at least kind of projecting forward for Clemson in 2021 is, yes, you can make an argument that they could be better. Um, now a couple things have to happen. Number one, the offensive line needs to take another step forward. Number two, DJU has to be as good as he looked against Notre Dame. And number three, these young pass-catching guys outside of Justin Ross, who's coming back, and that's a huge bonus, obviously, for uh, the receiving core for Clemson. But you have to have these other young guys step up. There are a lot of guys who were pretty new faces to the Clemson program this past year um, that are going to have to step up and kind of make an impact in year two. And you couple that with Justin Ross coming back, DJU, um, and and some guys that they signed, obviously, um, in the backfield. Will Shipley, uh, one of the best running backs in the country coming out of high school, all purpose back. He should have a pretty big role early on. Clemson will be just fine, Joey. And I know you're losing ETN. I know you're losing Trevor Lawrence. But I think the fact that Clemson is returning so many important pieces on both sides of the football could really project well moving forward. If DJU lives up to expectations, some of these other skill position guys on the offensive side step up, because I think defensively they will be better next year than they were this year.
1: Gosh, it is so easy to forget the name Justin Ross. But my Mm -hmm. goodness, I mean, in in his freshman and sophomore years, 2018 and 19, 112 catches for almost 1,900 yards and 17 touchdowns. Like, You know, whatever Clemson was lacking in the pass-catching department last year, that is a huge boost to get him back. That is going to be a huge deal for that offense.
0: Gigantic. I mean, it is a massive, massive deal to be able to get him back. And I think Clemson – Will be better for it offensively. I mean, I think a lot of times this year, it's it's easy to forget the fact that Clemson had so many young guys at receiver, right? And, and you know, Amari Rogers was out there; he was good. But you know, you're thinking about these other receivers and Cornell Powell and and some of these other guys, and you forget that Clemson just didn't have Justin Ross this year. Yeah, and people forget how good he was for them the last not only last year but the last couple years and not having him this past season was pretty devastating to the Clemson when you consider how the offense looked in the Ohio State game in the semifinal it's like man that's a game where they really could have used Justin Ross so getting him back is really going to be a big deal
1: huge deal huge deal uh number two in the ACC number eight nationally the Miami Hurricanes Mike Now, I I will say, if if you've ever, you know, kind of been a follower of of Bill Conley and the SP Plus system and all that, like, you'll probably know that this system really loves Miami. Maybe sometimes a lot more than it really plays out on the field. But, boy, I don't know if I've ever seen it have Miami in the top ten like this. Like, feels pretty astronomically high to me.
0: Yeah, it's high. Um, Here's the thing about Miami, though. Like if you get to King, now this is a big if, right. But if you get to King back healthy and, you know, Manny Diaz is calling the plays on defense, which, you know, I think the defense could actually look considerably, considerably better if he's a bit more involved in the play calling mm-hmm. Blake Baker is no longer mm-hmm. there. Right. Um, we'll see if that ends up being a net positive, right. That's the big question. It's yeah. like, yeah. and that's something that, you know, we posed to cam this was you know, we recorded with cam for the season recap for Miami before Blake Baker was, you know, before he left. Right. And the discussion at the time was, okay, Manny Diaz is going to take over the play calling, but now Blake Baker is no longer on the staff. So he's gone. Right. Is that the net positive or do you still want him around? And that was kind of what we were tossing around with cam. I think the conclusion that we came to was look, Manny Diaz is just going to have his hand a bit more in the cookie jar for lack of a better term on that defensive side of the ball, which I, I think is a positive now we'll see how it pans out on the field. I have a hard time just given Miami's track record under Manny Diaz or otherwise, I have a really hard time, you know, placing them higher than like 12th or 13th in the country in these preseason rankings until I see them really start to beat these elite teams, which they haven't done. I mean, Miami, I thought took a step forward this past year. I thought they looked really good for most of the year, but you know, can you step up in a game against Clemson and look more competitive than you did? You know, can you step up against a team like Carolina and not get the doors blown off of you? And North Carolina is not even an elite team like front to back. Um, now they're getting there, but they they weren't there this past year. And you you surrender whatever was 770 yards of offense. You know, that's just totally unacceptable. So, mm-hmm. Those are the types of questions we still have with Miami. And that's why I have a hard time, you know, every time SP plus puts out a ranking and puts Miami in the top 10, I'm like, yeah, I mean, if they reach their potential, sure, because they got playmakers everywhere, but I can't consistently in good conscience put them up there until I see it consistently yeah. against really good competition.
1: Yeah. Yep. I, I completely agree with that. And and defensively to have them at 13th, I, gosh, that's high, you know, I, it's it, high. And, you know, losing a couple of pass rushers, and as you mentioned, I mean, there's been a lot of turnover. It's not just Blake Baker. I mean, th- there's there's like right. three or four coaches gone off that defensive staff. Um, right. Those are things that obviously are not going to get captured in, in SP Plus projections and rankings and all that. But mm-hmm. I, I this feels like, you know, putting them eighth nationally, feels like it's about, like, the ceiling. Like, if everything goes right and and De'Ara King is healthy and – you know there's not that inexplicable loss here or there like i think they could be this good but yeah it's uh <laughs> it, it seems like a tall task to me i don't know
0: i'd comfortably say they're a top 20 team i
1: just don't yeah i don't love and and this
0: uh like without dr king fully healthy they're not a top 20 team but assuming he comes back and healthy and they're saying he'll be ready by training camp if he's the same derrick king which No reason to think he wouldn't be. I mean, he's coming off an ACL. That's like, you know, breaking a toe these days. It's not really that big of a deal anymore unless it's like multiple ligaments gone. If he comes back and he's normal D'Erik King, Joey, like sky's the limit. Top 20 team, no doubt. Yeah. If he's not there, that's a whole different discussion. This is a team that's totally lost at quarterback, which is we've seen that Miami before and it's not good.
1: Yeah, we. We've seen more of that Miami than this Miami, the uh, the quote unquote new Miami. If yeah, you know, yeah, right, um, right. No, I agree, agree. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is kind of the ceiling is I think is a little too high. Uh, number ten nationally, number three in the ACC, the North Carolina Tar Heels, Mike. And it's interesting looking at this because you know not only do we have an overall team rating here and and. Uh, north carolinas is twenty one point seven which basically means they're they're twenty one and a half points better than you know an average team um, but it's broken out as well into offense and defense and offensively s p plus rating and projection is third defensively it's forty third i that's i i don't feel like that's about that's that's anything wrong necessarily defensively might be a little bit high, but that's where you can see i mean, Kind of what we know is North Carolina is getting carried by that offense. You know, Sam Howell and, and Deami Brown and whoever's back. I, I forget all you know off the top of my head who's back, but um, it, it's clearly going to be a team that's going to win games and shootouts more than in, uh, defensive struggles.
0: I mean, outside of Sam Howell, like, who are the playmakers now? Um, now they've recruited really well, right? It's mm-hmm. more of like, who are the known guys? North Carolina is starting to get into that into that discussion with like, especially offensively with like some of the guys they've recruited, they're starting to get into the discussion. It might be a little early to have it, but next year or two, we're going to start having it more consistently where they are recruiting guys who are, you know, high four-star skill position players. And you and I are sitting here and we're like, yeah, I mean, we don't know who they are, but we know they'll be fine. That same discussion we're having about Clemson. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're going to start to have that conversation about North Carolina. I think offensively, Sam Howell is obviously fantastic. I think he could win the Heisman. I think he's that good. You know, he's, he's an All-American type quarterback. So mm-hmm. you're never going to be out of the game as long as he's playing quarterback, no matter who your receivers are. But in my opinion, I think given who they're losing, Daz Newsom, Deami Brown, um, Michael Carter. Yeah, Carter like and like Javante Williams. The running game, Javante Williams, like the running game, You know, you're losing two 1,000 yard backs and you're losing your top three or four receivers off of this roster from last year. So,
1: and the two backs were, I think, offensively, the two backs were two of the top five receivers. (laughs) Like, they they were using the the passing game a
0: lot. So, it's not, yeah. So, it's not only just the running game, which is so crucially important, Joey, but an area that I overlook and I think a lot of people overlook is the ability of these running backs out of the backfield, like you just mentioned, right? So, these are two all around really good playmakers, they're losing at running back. That's before you even go down to Daz Newsome, Diami Brown conversation, which is a whole different discussion. So I think they'll be, look, long story short, North Carolina offensively will be fine. It's going to take a little while. Defensively, though, I think they have a chance to be very good. And they're returning a lot of guys. You can see the potential towards the end of the year. They started playing together. They started playing a bit faster, as most defenses do throughout college football as the year goes on you can see the potential of some of the young guys start to step up for North Carolina on that side of the football. So I think the defense actually has a chance to have a higher ceiling than the offense this year. But the question is, you know, who emerges for the offense from North Carolina and how quickly, because as long as you have Sam, Howell, he's going to hold it all together. Mm -hmm. It's just, can these young skill position guys that just, we don't, we don't really know a lot about yet. Can they step up and move forward quickly and progress quickly? And if they do my, or North Carolina is just going to be one of these teams. that's going to be, you know, top 10 or 12 teams in the country all year they're going to have like that kind of ceiling maybe higher but i just i have a hard time with the offense right now justifying that ranking i think in the acc it's probably okay nationally i you know nationally i think they might get a little bit more hype early on than they probably deserve but i think they could definitely get there as long as sam howell's a quarterback and the young guys figure it out yeah
1: i, I yeah I, I think I'm with you there. I think top three in the ACC is is right about is perfectly right. and I'll say that for Miami okay. as well. I think that's that's correct. Um, yeah there's a there's a chance that somebody else jumps up and overtakes one or both of them. you know if Louisville had some big resurgence or if you know again, if NC state catches fire again in a second year or something like that like that's that's on the table. but I think for right now with projections that all makes sense. Um, The one thing I do want to bring up here, too, and we probably should have hit this a little bit going in, is that these preseason projections are made up of three pieces, and Bill doesn't give you um, exactly how the sausage is made, so to speak, in terms of how big of a a role each of these play, but they're made up of returning production, which we already talked about the returning production rankings a little bit in terms of kind of where some of these teams lie, uh, recent recruiting rankings, so he's figured out a way to take the inexact science of recruiting rankings and put them into a, I guess the inexact science of college football, we'll say. Right. And then three recent history. So in the last few years, you know, what have you been? You're, you're likely to be about what you've been. Um, And so if you're, if you're looking at this, and particularly with returning production, I think the thing that sticks out with North Carolina is like, well, yeah, you're, you're losing multiple thousand yard backs. Like, you know, the entirety of your running back production and, and all that goes into that offense, like, you know, losing all that. How do you how do you rank them coming back? Well, the thing that he does point out about returning production, in in particular on offense, only five percent of your returning production on offense goes to returning running back rushing yards, um, which is basically to say, running back is by far the most replaceable position on the field. Um, for, you know, offense or defense. Like, if you have a, a running back or even multiple running backs graduate, you can bring in a new one. So right. Clearly, the strength here is, is is what North Carolina was last year and what they've been recruiting at, but the returning production isn't as bad as you might think, considering some of the things that they're losing on offense.
0: Right, right. I agree. I just don't. I I have a hard time justifying that. Like, I think in most situations, like, yes, running back in general is replaceable, but when you got when you got like two do it all type backs out of backfield, you're losing. I feel like it should hold a little bit more weight than five percent. I think in general that's probably fine right like cross college football generally speaking you can replace a running back because there's a lot of talent in the backfield but two all-purpose backs i think are pretty difficult to replace and maybe that's just me overrating what javante carter and michael williams were or mike i'm sorry
1: other way other way
0: what michael carter and javante williams were
1: (laughs) it's been Um, a long week for you too mike
0: uh, yeah i've i'm a combination of tired and stupid (laughs)
1: My <laughs> podcast motto.
0: Yeah, I just, I just think, I just think, yeah, I think it should be given a little bit more weight. But what do I know?
1: I, I will say that you know, losing running backs, like it actually makes sense in a, in a in a way because I think one of the easiest things that a running back does is take the ball and find a hole to run through. Right. Some of the harder things they do is try to help in pass protection. Yes. You know, figure out where a blitz is coming from and either chip a guy or, you know, cut a guy, you know, do something to help give your quarterback an extra second or second and a half to throw. Like right. those are tougher things. So it in, in a sense, it makes sense that it, it wouldn't count from a rushing yard standpoint. But that's definitely I mean, th- those are two big guys to have to replace for North Carolina. Uh, yeah. Let's keep moving here, Mike. So we mentioned already. I, wanna, I just want to point this out while we're while we're doing this. We have nationally number two, Clemson, number eight, Miami and number 10, North Carolina. The next team in the ACC, the next highest-rated team at number 36 nationally is your Virginia Tech, Hok- Virginia Tech Hokies, Mike. 36th nationally, down from 10th for UNC. Uh, big gap here. Hokies at number 36, 27th on offense, 57th on defense. Is that too high, too low, about right?
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, I think offensively maybe a bad high I mean I'm just thinking you know they lose two of their top offensive linemen Um, they lose Hendon Hooker which I you know we'll see if Braxton Burmeister in extended time is a net positive or negative I'm not really sure Hooker didn't play that great last year so you know if we're talking about Hendon Hooker from two years ago I think Burmeister is at this point in time a definite step down but given the way hooker played last year. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a wash. Trey Turner and James Mitchell are back offensively. So that's good, but you lose Khalil Herbert. So that's the part that I'm most
1: concerned about.
0: Yeah. Like I'm really concerned about how they're going to replace the production in the running game. They're going to have pass catchers coming back and they'll be fine there. Um, a lot of young guys who, you know, a, a couple young guys in particular missed time due to injury. One guy, Jaden paid, who's going to be back, um, big-bodied 6'3 type receiver, four-star, um, a guy that you'd really like to have in there just missed the whole year due to, you know, breaking his foot in training camp. So maybe he emerges. I, I just think the offense might be a tad high given what they're losing there. Defensively, this team returns a lot. Um, you know, you're adding Jordan Williams from Clemson from the transfer portal at defensive tackle. That's an immediate, like, Game-changing type player. He was a very good rotational player for Clemson. A rotational player, Clemson is going to start at Virginia Tech, so that's a net positive. Um, you're returning, you're returning uh, a couple of your starting linebackers in Allen Tisdale and Dax Hollyfield. That should be good. You're returning a bulk of your secondary as well. Divine Diablo's gone at safety, but you got multiple guys who are working in at that position. So it's tough to lose a guy who you know had starting experience, but you know, having guys who were in the rotation playing consistently were good. So I think the defense overall will take a step forward and, and be better. They were starting to really get better as the year went on. I'm worried about the offense, though, Joey. So if you were to tell me that, you know, Virginia Tech's the next best team in the ACC outside of Miami, North Carolina, and Clemson in some particular order, I'd say, okay, fine. And the reason why I'd say that is because I think there's such a big drop off from those three teams to everyone else. That if you're if you're saying okay Virginia Tech or Pitt um, or I don't know Louisville like somebody else is going to be the fourth best team in the ACC I feel like it's kind of all we're all talking about the same roster yeah at some point you know no,
1: nobody's right but nobody's wrong like
0: right right they're all flawed like all yeah. these teams are not not that Miami North Carolina. Clemson's not really that flawed, but Miami North Carolina aren't flawed, but they're less flawed than the rest of the conference.
1: Yep. Yeah, the thing that sticks out to me here is is I feel like offensively 27th nationally, defensively 57th nationally. Offense might be a little too high, but defense might be a little too low. Um, yeah. You know, that that the offense seems like it's largely kind of degraded over the last few years, but defensively, you yeah. know, the issues that they've had over the last two years, like they – they felt like they really started to gel pretty well there in that back stretch of about three games this year. Um, So I'm kind of optimistic about Virginia Tech's defense going into next year. Mm -hmm. Offensively, not as much. And I realize somebody's going to be yelling at their car radio or something right now as I just explained why returning running back production doesn't mean very much. And then I just said (laughs) Khalil Herbert leaving is a big deal. But the thing was like looking at this Virginia Tech rushing attack, it was a completely different ball game when Herbert was in there versus when he wasn't because anybody else in there running the ball was not nearly as effective
0: like I mean Virginia so- Tech hadn't been able to run the football in a decade. yeah, seriously before like not well anyway before Khalil Herbert got there I mean it had been really since David Wilson in 2011 the only other thousand yard rusher they had was Trayvon McMillan. I want to say that was in 2014, mm-hmm. um, maybe 2015. I mean, it's been a while. So, I mean, Virginia Tech hasn't had a Khalil Herbert-type running back since David Wellston. Khalil Herbert, actually, I think is, is one of the best running backs in the last, like, two decades at Virginia Tech, which is saying something considering the types of guys they've had yeah. come through the door there at that yeah. position. But he's a really hard guy to replace.
1: I, I mean, he was depending on where you set your boundaries of who qualifies. Like he was second in the conference in yards per carry. He was sh- just a you know shade right. behind Mark Michael Carter. You know he was ahead of Javante Williams. Like yeah. you know he was he was dynamic. He was ex- explosive. He was dynamite. And then after that, it was, I mean, so you, you, next next best on the team was Hendon Hooker. He's gone. You had Raheem yeah. Blackshear, who was less than four yards per carry. Jalen Holston, right. I, I don't remember if he's back, under five yards per carry. Like, that's something but not he's great. He's back. Super senior. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, it's just – it's it's that, that the offense was so differently, you know, so much more effective when Herbert was in the game that that particular guy being gone spells issues for me. But, you know, we, we've, yeah. uh, we've talked about Virginia Tech quite a bit on this podcast in the past, so –
0: we, we, yeah, we do. I mean, Herbert being in the top, you know, two or three in the con- in the conference in most Russian categories, that was missing, like, basically one and a half games with a hamstring injury too. I mean, that just tells you the type of impact he made when he was in, in healthy.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Um, so, so once again, for context, uh, Virginia Tech at 36th nationally, that was 11 points better than an average team. Uh, North Carolina at 21.7 points better than an average team. So a solid 10-point drop there. Uh, Pretty substantial for what that's worth. Uh, Next, uh, 43rd nationally and 5th in the ACC, the Pitt Panthers. uh, Showing up 65th on offense, 36th on defense. I'm going to... I'm going to go out on a limb here Mike and I I haven't really like sang the Panthers praises here in in the last year or two and, and I'm not singing the praises of Pat Narduzzi or any of that but I am going to say I think this is too low. Like I I feel like you know offense at 65th like it, they've had offensive issues I think they can be better than that like dead middle of the FBS and then defensively yeah. at 36th they won't be that bad. Right?
0: But then again, you think about it, <laughs> but like, they could be <laughs> you're watching Pittsburgh play against Duke in the middle of October. And it's like six to three in the third quarter. And you're like, oh, <sighs> the offense is only 65th in the FBS. I thought it would be worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the the ceiling for Pitt's offense is much higher than mid 60s in the FBS. Right. I mean, seriously. Oh, With the ceiling coming for sure. back. Yeah, Kenny Pickett's back, and they're going to have some guys at receiver. I I don't know. I mean, Pittsburgh has taken over for NC State, Joey. Pittsburgh's the bar. They're the bar. <laughs> they're the bar. I think we got to bring that back. Um, you might need to. It's the bar. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think. Could, do I think Pittsburgh could be the second best team in the coastal? Of course, I do. I think they could be better than Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Like, do I think Pittsburgh could, you know, jump up and upset North Carolina? I mean, it's not likely, but if they do, could they win the coastal? I mean, absolutely. Pittsburgh gives Miami a hell of a time. Yeah. If you get past yeah. North Carolina, you're right there in the driver's seat. So, I, you know, Pitt, Pitt is one of those teams that's just like always hanging around and they're always annoying to play. If you go to Heinz Field, you know, they're going to be a pain in the ass. I think defensively, probably a bit too low, like you mentioned. Um, offensively. I don't want to say they're too high or too low because I feel like I watch too many Pittsburgh games where I'm like, yeah, this is just like a fine average offense. It's like middle of the pack in college football.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, if you think about it, if I told you that Pitt was going to have a top 30 offense next year. Yeah. I mean, they probably finished what? Like nine and three and ranked or better maybe. Yeah. Yeah. like that's all it takes and and that's not like an impossible bar to clear, especially with like a super senior Kenny Pickett and you know you're starting to get some interesting guys in the passing game and all that i mean that's that's attainable yeah. so yeah yeah I, I i i I feel like this is too low um i I feel like pitch can and should be better than this in in you know going into next year, but yep, you know time will tell we'll have to find out I agree. Next up, Mike, forty fifth nationally, sixth in the ACC, the NC State Wolfpack. Um, I'm gonna also go on the record and say too low here. Sixty eighth on offense, thirty yep. seventh on defense. That offense is not gonna be sixty eighth with a healthy Devin Leary.
0: I'm much more. I'm much more confident in saying that this is too low. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a team that I think is certainly better than where they're projected, and I get it. Right. Like. NC State's a team last year that, that surprised everybody. I mean, we, you and I both thought Dave Dorn was toast. And the only thing that was probably saving his job was the fact that this year was playing out in a pandemic. Yep. And that's when we talked about everything before the season. That was before our college football teams just went out and fired their head coaches anyway. Um, so if he had a really bad year, who's to say, I mean, NC State could have ended up pulling the trigger. He saved his job because NC State was really good. Yeah. I mean, they were yeah. annoying to play like october and november they were annoying you talk about pitt being a pain in the ass nc state was pain in the ass right like in a good way yeah like efficient like really efficient offensively bailey Hawkman kept getting better as the year went on and defensively they took a lot of strides forward i mean defensively it was just a total roller coaster earlier in the year and i thought you know as the year went on they got more confident on that side of the football and they were playing complementary football. They were one of the best teams in the ACC in how they complement each side of the ball. Like, they were never going to shoot themselves in the foot and take themselves out of games. And we saw that in the past with these NC State teams. And they were not doing that this year with Bailey Hockman. Yes, it was a little bit of an adventure from time to time, as Stephen Mooma said, right? Mm-hmm. And it's- time you get the Bailey Hawkman experience he's going to make a couple throws and make you just like scream and pull your hair out because you can't believe he made that decision but then you get the good Bailey Hawkman, the play action game that's making these really wise decisions and guys are getting open and you know he's being complimented with a running game and I, I think the ceiling for Devin Leary is much higher than Bailey Hawkman, given what we saw out of Devin Leary when he was playing this year and he was healthy I'm really curious to see what he does in his third year in the offense now, right? You get past the freshman year, you get past the injury year. Now you're going to be in, I guess what's going to be his second sophomore year because of COVID. Let's see what that looks like. And if he's the same type of quarterback that we saw in late September, early October, before he got hurt, when he came back from COVID and he had that period of time where he played for three or four weeks, let's see if we get that version of Devin Leary. Cause I think if so, NC state has an opportunity to kind of replicate what they just did and be an eight, nine, 10 win team again next year. For sure.
1: I completely agree. And, and part of that is is consider Mike, again, we're talking about, this is the sixth best team in the ACC. How many of the teams that we've already talked about before this were Atlantic teams?
0: Uh, That would be just Clemson. Joey
1: It would be just the one. Uh, Yeah. There's, there's Clemson and then there's a huge gap and then there's NC state and there's everybody else. Um, so, yeah, NC State has a, a really good opportunity. I, I completely agree. I get a full year of Devin right. Leary, assuming that he's at least most of what we saw this year, and there's no reason to think that he won't be. You know, defensively, there were some pretty big improvements this year as well. Like, I think there's a lot to like about NC State moving into next year. I um, agree. And, and so 45th nationally, I, I mean, I, I think they've got a good chance to jump up higher. Uh, I, I would say going around that 30 range. Mm -hmm. would make them you know the fourth best team in the ACC and I think that's that's a reasonable expectation for them to get there
0: yeah I mean for them to be the the second best team in the Atlantic I don't think it's a stretch like Louisville was hot and cold and we'll get into Louisville and Boston College here momentarily Um, I don't want to steal all their thunder here right now but those are the two other teams that I think would be competing for that number two spot in the Atlantic because I think Florida State's still a few years away. So the way I look at it, NC State's got a great opportunity to really kind of solidify that and, and be the second-best team in the Atlantic. I mean, they would have been the second-best team in the Atlantic if you played with divisions this year. So yep. I think they could do that again.
1: Absolutely. All right, NC State at 45. Mike, you want to take a quick break? Yeah. We should probably uh, probably tell the people about home field apparel.
0: Yes, we should.
1: The internet's premium leading premier destination for throwback uh, vintage apparel. It is super soft. It looks great. It is super high quality. I love mine, Mike. We recently were able to uh, secure the bag from NC from from NC uh, from Homefield Apparel. Uh, I got a really cool Tulane Green Wave shirt. Now you might be asking Joey, you didn't go to Tulane. You're not from New Orleans. Why did you get a Tulane shirt? And I would tell you, Mike, it's because it looked great and it's incredibly comfortable, and I am so happy to add it to my wardrobe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm taking a look at that UC Irvine Anteater on a Surfboard t-shirt. You will um, not
1: get that anywhere else.
0: Yes, I am not affiliated or have an affinity for even UC Irvine, the university. I don't care. I have never been there. I don't think I've watched a UC Irvine game in my life. Maybe I have for basketball. I don't know. I would buy that shirt. I'm probably going to purchase that shirt. Mm -hmm. As we record this podcast, I'm currently wearing a sweatshirt, but underneath that sweatshirt is a home field apparel T-shirt. Oh boy, Um, a Virginia Tech home field apparel T-shirt that was sent to us by Home Field Apparel. So I, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about the brand. Number one, the comfortability. Number two, the vintage designs of these shirts. Number three, you have to have to have to go to homefieldapparel.com and check out their line of stuff they have most acc schools there now joey
1: they do they do yeah go check them out a whole bunch of acc apparel uh pittsburgh syracuse florida state virginia tech as you mentioned i mean go go check it out a lot of good stuff coming um and they've got even more coming out all all sorts of schools being added all the time so go check them out homefieldapparel.com use promo code go acc at checkout for 20 percent off your first order uh Love some home field apparel. Going to be adding more to it in my wardrobe here in the near future, and I recommend that you do too. Mike, let's keep going here. Number 47th nationally, 7th in the ACC, the Louisville Cardinals, uh, 16th on offense, 93rd on defense. Uh, Speaking of one-sided teams like North Carolina, I'll say this. um, I, I feel like they should be a little higher nationally. I feel like the defensive rating should be a little higher Decent chance their offensive rating should be a little bit lower. Is that fair?
0: I mean, what are we getting at quarterback, right?
1: Malik or McHale?
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Malik or McHale is right. What version are we getting? Um, Name that Cunningham. (laughs) I don't know. I, that's This is a tough team to forecast. And also the fact that, like, I don't know if Satterfield's all in or not. I hate to be mm-hmm. that guy to bring up that narrative. But, you know, when you're tied to several jobs, when you have a pretty public uh, faux pas, so to speak, with him maybe being interested in that South Carolina job and definitely interviewing for it and then kind of saying that he didn't and getting caught red-handed, that generally doesn't go well, and then he was tied to other jobs as well. That's right after that, by the way.
1: This is the so, greatest sport on earth, Mike.
0: It's absolutely incredible, <laughs> um, but you have to understand his parents are in North Carolina or whatever he said. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. All right. This is yeah. a very, very weird situation, right? It's giving off Virginia Tech vibes, which isn't good these days joey it's giving off the vibe that your coach actually wanted to be somewhere else he kind of got caught with his pants down right and now he's trying to backtrack and say oh no everything's good at this school coming off of a year that didn't really go particularly well yeah it's a little bit earlier on for Satterfield at Louisville than it is or was for Justin Fuente going into this past season when he had the flirtation with Baylor and you know things were kind of murky we were hoping that the Satterfield situation the Louisville rebuild after Petrino would be a little bit further along before we were having discussions about Satterfield potentially leaving this was a step down in year two for Louisville Joey compared to what Satterfield did in year one um like getting that Louisville team to a bowl game yeah it had talent under Petrino yeah that team quit under Petrino but for Satterfield to kind of turn the culture around that quickly only to have just kind of a mediocre year in year two and just kind of lose the fan base over stupid interviews, over jobs that you might not even actually take. It's just like, what What are yeah. we doing? <laughs> like, yeah. what are we doing yeah. at Louisville? Now, I don't know what this means for the SP Plus projection, and I'm getting a little rambly, Joey, but like I – I'm just kind of uncomfortable with this entire situation. I think the defense should be higher ranked. I don't know what to expect out of the offense. It's been such an up and down year. And I still think they're kind of in this rebuild phase and I don't really know what to expect out of them to be honest.
1: Yeah. I think the thing that concerns me the most with Louisville going into next year, a yeah, a whole bunch of behind the scenes nonsense about Satterfield and, you know, trust and do the players believe in him or do they not? Apparently they didn't. And then they, they did. And I don't know. Um, there's, there's all that to be said. But the other thing, like I think offensively in particular, if if, if the offense is what we're really going to hang our hat on here for Louisville, you're losing your top two receivers. Des Fitzpatrick, Tutu Atwell, both gone. Gone. Um, and, and that was a huge portion of your offense, really, for the last two years it has been. Um, I mean, those two guys, the last two years, quick math, 1,800 or so yards, plus another 1,400 or so yards, so – Yeah, I mean, upwards of three thousand receiving yards, well, upwards of three thousand receiving yards, probably like thirty four hundred ish when it all comes is all said and done. That's all gone. Um, So now what? And it's not like Louisville has been lighting the world on fire on the recruiting trail either. So, you know, I know that Satterfield and his staff generally looked at pretty schematically sound. They they do a good job of game planning, and they they design a pretty cool offense. So like, there's reason for for confidence there. But, you know, I I can't really promise that this whole thing is going to go off without a hitch either. So, you know, I do think the defense should be better than 93rd nationally. And I realize there's a couple guys, you know, leaving off that defense as well. But it's improved, you know, in the the two years they've been under Brian Brown. uh, And I I think they're going to continue improving. So I'll say better than 93rd on defense. I can't say that they'll be a full 16th nationally on, on offense. So, yeah. I think I this is about right. I think there's a, a, a I think there's quite a bit of uh what I call volatility here. I think there's a, a lot of room yes. for up upward mobility or downward mobility here for Louisville depending on how things break over the next uh, what 6 9 months? I don't know. 9 months? Yeah. yeah. We'll go 9 months. 9 months. So, all right. Louisville at 47th. 48th right behind them, my Georgia Tech yellow jackets that is good for 8th in the ACC, uh, which is interesting, Mike. So Georgia Tech getting a top 50 overall rating, 61st on offense, 47th on defense. I think that's interesting. I'm actually going to say, I think that's about right. Um, I think there's a lot more potential for downward mobility here than upward. But I I think there's reason to believe that they, they should be building to something in year three, and this is a reasonable expectation, I'd think.
0: Wouldn't put them ahead of Boston College.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's more about Boston College though than it is about Georgia Tech.
0: Yeah, I I agree. We'll get into that in a second because they had a pretty important transfer that is worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia Tech, I agree. Like, I think they should they should be a top fifty team nationally, right, going into year three. I agree with that. They have a top a couple of really good players. I like. Um, Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs just being pretty good as freshmen, reason for optimism on offense. The fact that we were able to see a functional offense in year two, I think was really important because we didn't know what that was even going to be after year one, right? Functional from the standpoint of you knew what the scheme was, Joey. I mean, we didn't know what the scheme was Uh,
1: after year one. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. Like that thing was – there was still a lot of variance week to week of just like what are your base sets and like what what is the game plan? What is the goal? I don't know. I I, I kind of feel like we still need to see a little bit you know schematically of, of consistency to know really what they're trying to run on offense.
0: Consistency, yes, but you know, I, you're not you're not flipping from like pro style to spread to like wing T, which I felt that's fair. I felt like that was. I felt like that's what I watched year one. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it was way worse Um, year one. That's for sure. Yeah.
0: So it was better. Mm -hmm. It was better from that standpoint, outside looking in. Um, Defense, I think, has a higher ceiling than the offense right now. Jeff Collins is a defensively-minded head coach. Um,
1: It's where they got more talent.
0: More talent. I I think there's potential in offense for things to be good, but – um, you lose Amari and Brown on offense that's painful yeah there's I mean there's some guys to replace but I, I think overall you know if you're a Georgia Tech fan I think you need to start expecting things to start taking in the upward trajectory now going into year three and you know if you get another kind of like Yeah, it's an okay year, like, okay, middle of a rebuild. Like, there's only so long that Jeff Collins can say, oh, yeah, I got to turn this thing around after Paul Johnson. You got to give him enough time, right, to get his guys in there and see what they can do. And I totally get that. And it's been such a 180 from a scheme standpoint on offense as far as just, like, who you recruit, period, just, like, offensive linemen. Let's start there up front. But you also need to see enough progress to justify – You know, you're thinking as an athletic department with him being the guy moving forward. And that's just kind of the nature of college football at this point. It's by year three, you've got to start seeing things pushing in that direction or else you're going to be questioning things. But uh, Jeff Collins is fine for now. Defensively, I think the ceiling is high offensively kind of wait and see. I'm with you.
1: Yep. Uh, I'll say this. First off, um, you know, turnaround. you know, improvement in year three and all that and especially as it relates to Georgia Tech here is I I think it's something you need to see on a, like a, we'll call it a down to down basis, or like in a relative results basis, not necessarily in the win loss record because what's that schedule again, Joey? Well, you look at the schedule. Yeah. And I was going to say, we've, we've already mentioned the number two, eight and 10 teams nationally. They've got on the schedule. They've also got the number six team on the schedule. That's Georgia. Uh, They've got the number 25 team on the schedule. That's Notre Dame. Um, Like, this is a friggin' hard schedule. So, like, as yeah. much as I think you should and could be able to make a bowl game this year, like, the schedule just might be a little bit too much of a meat grinder for that. But there, there's also a difference in in losing games by three touchdowns and making a couple of these things close. Like, you can still get blown out by Clemson. Yeah. I don't care. A lot of people are, you know. But keep it close against. I don't know, Virginia Tech or Pittsburgh or, or whoever, even if you're going to, going to lose a toss up game, make sure that they are toss up games and not losing by 17 points and looking like you weren't ready to play. Like don't lose to the Citadel. Like <laughs> uh, for example. God, these things haunt me, Mike. I don't know why, what I did to deserve some of these losses that never leave me in my life. Anyways. Um, so, th- so, so there's that, I mean, and then show some development in Jeff Sims, like, turn the ball over a little bit less, um, find some more creative ways to get Jameer Gibbs the ball in space. Um, you know, there, there's things that you can do to show a lot of development that will make me feel a lot better. Even if you finish five and seven on the year, like right. that's okay. So I, I think there's reason for optimism here. It, it, it is going to come down to how much development this coaching staff's able to do in the off season though. So, yeah. Um, I think 48th nationally, 8th in the ACC is about right. Um, more downward mobility than upward as well for, for Georgia Tech as with Louisville.
0: I mean, on paper, Georgia Tech's got four losses before they take a snap.
1: Unless you pull a, yeah, a major upset over probably either Miami or North Carolina.
0: Right. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking of Miami, so I guess you know five if you talk about Miami. But I think Miami's, a, Miami's always a winnable game because you don't know who's going to show up. North Carolina can be winnable sometimes if they get off to a slow start and you just hang around long enough.
1: Yep. Yep. So, all right. Georgia Tech, 48th. Uh, Moved down a little bit. So, by the way, that's four ACC teams between 43 and 48. Uh, So, go ACC to that. Down at 56, Virginia feels a little bit low especially defensively 62nd nationally on defense 47th on offense I feel like there's there's upside here defensively if if Virginia can uh, improve on that ranking a little bit
0: right I agree I mean they, they lose Charles Snowden so that's a big loss yep. right middle of the defense huge losing loss. one of the best linebackers in school history that's they've had some good ones there at Virginia at linebacker Snowden's right up there um that's a tough guy to replace, but you think about the pieces they're bringing back on offense, right? Um, they had a decently young receiving core. Brennan Armstrong, you get him back fully healthy, that would be really good. Um, I don't know what Wayne Tulipapa's status is. I don't even think it really matters because, like, <laughs> running back at Virginia is like a zero sum game. I mean, the the guy who is really running the football well is your quarterback Brian Armstrong when he's healthy, but he's, he's captain your... battering Ram, that's part of the reason why he was hurt as much as he was last year. He was their leading so, rusher. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
1: That's it something
0: back to zero sum <laughs> game thing. Um <laughs> they uh they need some help in the backfield. I feel like when I talk about Virginia and Virginia Tech, it's like the same roster at running back. Um
1: I wonder a little yeah, bit, they... Mike. I, I wonder a little bit if you know, something with Bill C.'s methods of deciding who's coming back and who's gone. I wonder if a little bit of the defensive ranking, like, didn't account for a number of the guys that were classified as seniors this year are coming back. Because there's, there's like three or four of them on defense that, that somebody, I think it was Banana Slug, or somebody has pointed out to us on Twitter, is like, no, the, the, Broncos got a bunch of those guys coming back for like their sixth year in Charlottesville.
0: Yeah. And Bill C tried to explain how he tweaked the metrics on the Cover Three podcast, which I've become a big fan of. Oh, yeah. um, he was on there kind of recently. He was trying to explain how he tweaked the, the metrics, but he said it is hard <laughs> to classify these guys after a sixth year plus the recruiting classes, and you don't know how he was basically explaining it is like the recruiting metrics going forward. It's hard to kind of incorporate those into the rankings because you don't know presently what the scholarship limits are going to be now that you're taking on more guys. So it's everybody's just trying to figure it out right now. Um, But I'm sure that it's difficult to forecast that given you don't necessarily know who's coming back and who's not, and you know, who's going to be eligible, who's not moving forward. It's got to be difficult. But I think in Virginia's case, like defense is probably ranked a bit low. I like their offense when Brian Armstrong's healthy, and we used to give the UVA fans of this podcast—there were several—we used to give them a, a bunch of crap about Brian Armstrong. And it wasn't these particular fans, and you know, per se, but you know, UVA Twitter was big on Brian Armstrong before he even took a snap, and it's like, really, like, let's wait and see here. But I must say, I was very impressed with him. Um, You know, he didn't look as comfortable at first, and then I think he got his feet under him, and he was, he got to be very good, and one of the most important players in the conference, Joey. Like, Mm -hmm. you think about this UVA team offensively, what they looked like with him versus without him. I mean, dear God, this was like an impossible offense to watch when he wasn't on the field, and when he played, he just the value of him to that team is immeasurable. I mean, he's really important.
1: Yeah, the the term war comes to mind in terms of the, uh, the baseball <laughs> yes. metric wins yeah. above replacement, except yep. with that metric in particular in baseball, it's like a replacement player is just an, an average player across the league. In this sense, we mean it in terms of like who's coming in to play quarterback for Virginia. That's not named Brandon Armstrong. Yeah. Right. He's got a pretty high war here. Mike. <laughs> like Yeah. You know, yeah. The, 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 uh, the improvement from the replacement is pretty substantial. Um, yeah yeah and I'll and I'll I agree with you and I'll say this and then we'll move on if Brennan Armstrong is the biggest problem with your offense you can be really damn good like yeah like agree he's not bad um now you know is he as good as Bryce Perkins I don't know I don't I don't think so but no. again like he's, he's not he's not bad he's pretty good so could he get there I mean maybe could yeah that's that's on the table Uh, Mike, 61st in the country, Florida State. We'll keep moving here. 41st on offense, 70th on defense. I I need to see it. I think this is too high. Uh,
0: I don't know. 10th in the conference? I don't know. know. They they were
1: bad. They were bad. They've been bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but they beat North Carolina.
1: (laughs) I don't know if they beat North Carolina as much as North Carolina beat North Carolina, but you know,
0: <laughs> wins a win, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just win, uh, baby.
0: I, I just win. Uh, I
1: don't know. I mean, this is what does the offense look like? Does anyone know? We've we've been saying about this. Per, they need like this needs like a full on enema situation, Mike. Just a hard reset, like. Don't even try to be good next year. Just try to, like, build some good habits and, like, reset the team culture and, you know, kick 20 players off the roster or something. I don't know. Like, something is fundamentally broken from the inside there. Like, I feel like it's not in their interest to try to be good this year, which is a weird thing to say, but it's a weird problem they're having, clearly.
0: If it results to on-field wins, this is like a Georgia Tech situation with, like, hey, just, like, look. I mean, I get it's year two, not year three, but it's like look good, sometimes. Like, don't embarrass yourself. Yeah. And then if it gets real bad, just call Chris Winkie and see what he's doing. I think that those are your options.
1: Yeah. Somehow be favored in like seven of your games and go three right. and nine or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and if Chris Winkie and Peter Warwick aren't busy, just call them up. <laughs> yeah,
1: work done. Um, uh, yeah. Who else? Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, Zachary hey, Coulson. i I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go too high. I, I think Florida State's gonna bottom out a little bit more next year before maybe bouncing back in 2022.
0: I mean, they're not better than Boston College.
1: Which, speaking of which, why is Boston College 67, 62nd nationally and 11th in the ACC? Mike, 37th on offense, 90, 95th on defense. Holy hell!
0: I mean, too low on defense. I get they're losing some guys. So that's too low. And offensively, Phil Dracovic, I he means a lot more to them now I will say not potentially not having David Bailey is a kind of significant loss but when you think about Bill C's metrics and the fact that running backs don't matter maybe it's not that big of a deal
1: I don't know this Boston College team like 62nd 11th in the conference like that's way too low for me I don't even make sense of that I I I I, I tend to think but Bo- I'll say this we need to have Dan Rubin on by the way um
0: Yes, he's next. So, Dan, if you're listening, I know he listens a good amount. Yeah. Um, Dan, you're next. And if you're not next, you're, like, second to next. Um, <laughs> say, if you've ever been a, a
1: wrestling this. person, this is a Goldberg moment. Uh, you're yes. next. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're next. Yeah. Um, I like Boston College's ceiling a lot under Halfley. I mean, I think – I think BC is limited to a degree these days because of where they're located and stuff like that. But we've seen this program at its peak and I get college football is different now, but you know, your beloved quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan, uh, used to grace the field up there in Chestnut Hill. Love you, Matty Ice. Damn good. Yeah. Matty Ice. Damn good program then. And college football is different now. And I'm not sure the ceiling for them is going to be like 11 and one or whatever. But they're going to be a program that could be a problem down the line with Jeff Halfley. And a problem for Boston College could be like eight or nine wins, but that's a significant step forward from what they've been.
1: Mike, if I came back from the future and I told you Boston College was the second best team in the Atlantic this year, what would your reaction be?
0: i say they're right there with NC State.
1: Why not, right? Like they could be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think if you told me like preseason – like, if you and I were doing our preseason rankings, I know we do this in, like, August, but if you and I were to go through right now and say who's the second-best team in the Atlantic, and I just told you coin flip between NC State and BC, what would you say?
1: Heads? Like,
0: yeah, like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it could be, yeah. Like, we got the two sides of the coin correct, right? Like, do you think, <laughs> do you think, I'm right? I think. Yeah. Like, do you think Louisville is, I, I'm not confident putting Louisville in that conversation anymore. After why i just watched this year i think bc and nc state are the two candidates
1: i mean i think louisville could be but it's not likely it's not likely like it was just less consistent this year
0: and in bc yeah. and nc state i felt like you had some level of i don't want to say certainty but you knew that on both sides of the football they were going to be decent enough Louisville yeah. I felt like was just so hot and cold it was just like hard to hard to forecast them on a week-to-week basis we had a ton of problems with that just overall this year in the ACC but I felt like Louisville was one of those teams along with like Virginia Tech um, sometimes North Carolina mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times Florida State But yeah. we were like what team is showing up
1: exactly yeah yeah no I, I I mean I think that's the reasonable candidates for number two in the Atlantic are probably NC State and Boston College so yeah Interesting uh, seeing him here this low. That's kind of strange. Yeah,
0: Way too low, I think.
1: Yeah. Number 64 and 12th in the ACC, the Wake Forest, Stephen Deeks, 56th on offense, 69th on defense. I guess that's probably about right, although probably too low on offense, probably too high on defense if I had to guess.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. And I don't really have that much to contribute there other than I think Sam Hartman could be good again, right?
1: sometimes yeah I don't know the more I look at it the more I kind of feel like Sam Hartman is exactly what he was like two three years ago before Jamie Newman took over for him where has a couple games where he's outstanding a couple games where he's a total nightmare and otherwise he's kind of just a mixed bag in between (laughs) like
0: he's the perfect okay quarterback to replace Jamie Newman
1: yeah yeah if you're gonna replace Jamie Newman with like an okay average guy yeah that's that's your guy um But Jamie Newman's still clearly better than Sam Hartman was, I feel like. for
0: sure. I mean, uh, Sam Hartman's better than, like, Kendall Hinton.
1: Yeah?
0: I'm thinking back to, like, the Kendall Hinton quarterback days.
1: (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah, we could go all the way back to the Wolford wagon, um, if you wanted to dig that far into the archives.
0: I mean, was Wolford better than Jamie Newman? I think he might have been.
1: No. I don't think so. I don't no? know. Maybe that one year. That one year he might have been. What was that, like 2017? When he was a
0: senior. When he was a senior.
1: he was. Yeah, no, you're right. He was sharp as a senior. And before that, it was kind of a
0: career-wise, mess. Career-wise? Career-wise, though, front to back, like Jamie Newman, better for multiple years at a time. John Wolford's senior year, he was money.
1: John Wolf, let me see um, career wise. So it's interesting because his first three years, and he he started all four years at Wake Forest. Um, basically, mm-hmm. you know, immediately from from when he got there, he was his touchdown to interception ratio was minus two, minus two, minus one, and then his senior year it was plus twenty three. So. <laughs> Yeah, if you're if you're uh, thinking that we were underrating John Walford going into his senior year, I guess we were, but we had good reason yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> now he plays
0: quarterback for the Rams,
1: So How about that? Um,
0: he's Matt Stafford's backup, so.
1: <laughs> Apparently just you and I are a couple of years away from playing quarterback for the Rams, I guess. I don't know. Um I mean, what were we talking you, about If here? you've
0: ever bagged groceries, you too could be Kurt Warner. <laughs> that's how it works.
1: <laughs> uh all right. I don't know what we're talking about here. Uh, wake for 64 probably about right. Um, yeah. Defensively probably bottom 40 offensively probably going on top 40 if I had to guess, but still that yep. that same range is probably about right. All right. So Mike, we had a big golf between 10 and 36 from UNC to Virginia tech. Now everybody, you know, since then has been between 36 and 64. And now yep. Mike, we have two more teams. There's a little bit of a gulf here going down all the way to 95 with the Syracuse orange, uh, 99th on offense, 73rd on defense. And Duke at 102nd nationally, 113th on offense, 71st on defense. I uh, feel like that's about right for me.
0: Remember we were talking about the coin flip for the second best team in the Atlantic?
1: <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this, but yes, I do remember that. I was there.
0: I want to yeah, I was there 2 minutes ago. Okay, I want to play the I want to play the same game. Now for worst team in the acc Mm. and joey good news i think we got both sides of the coin right yeah i
1: think we did it i think so um if if one of these teams were to jump up and like be like sneaky fourth best team in their division it's probably syracuse right probably i just don't i don't think duke has anything going for it at this point like like, we, we keep talking about it's time for Cuckliff to retire and all this stuff. And I, I'm sure that he's forgotten more about coaching than I'll ever know in my life. Right. But right. I just, it just still feels like there is some upside to be had with Syracuse that's just like it's evaporated with Duke and it's over there. That's what it feels like to me.
0: I get the chase. Yeah. And I get that Chase Bryce sucked for Duke. But when the quarterback for Duke leaves for App State, when App State is in the middle of like this semi rebuild. That's when you know you're in kind of hell, right?
1: Yeah. Not in um, great shape. No
0: pun intended with the Blue Devil thing.
1: Let's but. see. App State at 35th nationally. So, yeah, Chase Bryce might be having a better time there in Boone next year than he did uh, in Durham last year. So,
0: App, Yeah, App State's opponents will be having a better time, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think so. He's a generous man, Mike. He's a generous man. Yeah, yeah, that's,
0: yes, he is. <laughs> Um, i'd like to add i'd like to advocate for a uh a coach swap here um how about Cutcliffe just goes to syracuse dino babers tries his hand at durham north carolina that's where i'm at uh,
1: yeah it does probably be good for dino i think seeing what cut yeah. was able to do with duke in the last five six years like probably puts him in a better spot right
0: Probably, I, and I heard Upstate New York is nice for retirement if
1: you're David Cutcliffe. Yeah, and you love waking up to 14 degree temperatures and losing your power. I don't know. Okay. I couldn't say. I couldn't go say. Coug- yeah,
0: go Cougs. I mean, that's
1: right. <laughs> Just head there. Mike Bowling Green is 125th, and the offense oh, is 129th.
0: Christ. God, Jesus.
1: So go Falcons. Hold on, I got to pull up my soundboard here. Hold on. I mean, I wasn't even planning on using this today, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, go Falcons.
0: Is Scott Leffler still the coach there?
1: <laughs> yes, he is. And you know who's still the defensive coordinator beyond all explanation?
0: The man that needs no introduction. The notorious <laughs> BBG, Brian McGor.
1: The man, the myth, the legend. Love it. That's, that's right. You tried to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying. He's trying real hard, Mike. <laughs> He's been successful several times, no kidding. What's worse is that there are five teams ranked worse than Bowling Green, which I do not envy those fan bases of UL yeah. Monroe, UConn, UTEP, UMass and North New uh, North, North Mexico State University, we'll say.
0: Yes. Um, 125 is too high <laughs> for Bowling Green. <laughs> Going to go too high on that. <laughs> Going to go too high. That team sucks.
1: Uh, somehow worst team in the MAC. too high
0: too high (laughs) yeah you want to you want to make some money betting on college football just bet against bowling green (laughs) that turned out to be very very profitable bet
1: against scott leffler yeah good uh good principle good principle
0: yeah i i bet against him when he was tech's offensive coordinator worked out for me
1: that's right that's right
0: i was in the stands i it worked
1: bless you bless you you deserve better mike Mike, that's all I got on the SP Plus projections. Any other notes that you wanted to mention, bring up, discuss?
0: <laughs> I deserve better, <laughs> says the man who has Brad Cornelson as his offensive coordinator.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Brad. It is
0: better, but I don't, it's all relative.
1: <laughs> it is all relative. Very much so. Uh Mike. We, we teased early in the show that it was a relatively meaningless week for the ACC, but a pretty meaningful week for this here podcast. Uh, do you want to explain why that is?
0: Yes. Now, this podcast tonight was pretty funny because we haven't recorded two weeks. So we were feeling some type of way. Yeah. Um, now, take all of that and take five years of doing a podcast together where we've never met each other in person. Yeah. And then fast forward about. 96 hours from now and we will be together in phoenix uh scottsdale specifically Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. drunk certainly Um, yes sir sir, no probably about it (laughs) certainly drunk because we have my bachelor party this upcoming weekend joey so you guys will be listening to this podcast on monday the 22nd and joey my last day of work this week Uh, Happens to be Wednesday the twenty fourth. We're hopping on plane to Scottsdale Thursday morning the twenty fifth, and we are there all weekend.
1: Hell yeah, yeah. So for those we've alluded to this before, um, but for those who are maybe a little bit newer to the show or whatever, like we've done this for a full five seasons of college football, Mike. And um, at this point, one of my favorite, you know, when you get into like a work setting and you got to introduce yourself to the room, and it's like everybody's favorite game of either two truths and a lie. Or it's like, you know, a fun fact about yourself, you know, whatever. Mine is I've done a podcast for five years with somebody whose hand I've never shaken. I've never been in the same room with them, And people are like, what? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And then they ask us to tell the story of how we met. And it's it gets very complicated very quick. But anyways, that will no longer apply by this time next week. And I am very much looking forward to finally meeting you, shaking your hand, um, spending a weekend in Scottsdale playing golf and you know, drinking and Lord knows what other debauchery will be going on. Um, Right. We should probably mention this too. And this is probably the ultimate teaser. Uh, We are going to be recording an episode live while we're in. (laughs) Yeah, we are,
0: but we are not,
1: we are not committing to releasing said episode on the stream. So, I don't know what will be said. Chances are we'll already been out on the golf course and we'll be mid drinking and there will probably be guest appearances by, you know, your brother-in-law and or other people that just join in, you know, randomly. So I will make no promises. And I know that my mother listens to this show. So if things are said on there that we can't publish, then we won't, but the episode will exist and, uh, it might get distributed to a couple of special listeners. Who's to say?
0: Yes, I agree. Um, We'll drop that in your inboxes if you need it. Um, A couple things. Number one, my lovely fiance, Caitlin, calls Joey my 21st century pen pal. So I'm glad I don't need to deal with those jokes anymore.
1: Um, That's right.
0: I'm like, yes, kind of like a pen pal, except I've talked to him twice a week over video chat and pretty much every day for like five years. But yes, pen pal. Um, So I'm glad I don't need to deal with that anymore. And then, secondly, funny joke, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, shout out, Caitlin.
0: Yes. (laughs) Secondly, we will be trying to record the podcast like Joey mentioned. No promises it gets posted to the feed. Ultimate teaser, for sure. But I envision this being a situation where Joey and I are poolside at the Airbnb after drinking all day. And this is just an absolute just cold open. And we just start rambling. You know, it's like hit record. No, ladies and gentlemen, no nice intro. Definitely no home field read because God knows they don't want to sponsor that podcast.
1: <laughs> they don't want um, anything to and, do with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we're just gonna we're just gonna hit record and we are just gonna start talking and see what happens.
1: Yep. I, Audio I quality will be poor. That
0: right, quality will be poor. I. Speaking of which, I'll talk to you about that later. I'm gonna get myself a travel mic this week. We're going to we're gonna get that set up, and Joey and I are just gonna hit record and see what happens. Hopefully, yep. we're able to post okay. it because as long as nothing absurd gets said, we'll be able to post it. It'll be fine.
1: Absolutely, it'll it'll be fun. There'll be all sorts of posts all through the weekend on social media. I'm sure um, yes. you will finally get a picture of, of you know me and Mar- me me and Mark, my, me and Mike. I can't talk anymore. Me and Mike, like, standing together, like, I don't know, cracking beers or something, like, for the first time ever. So, um, anyway, stay tuned there. We have a a lot of content coming there. Uh, Should be fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, But, anyways. Mike, other than that episode, worth mentioning, later this month, we are going to continue and resume our Team Recap series and as, as mentioned earlier, we, we definitely got to get Dan Rubin on the line. Uh, we got to go talk some Boston College. They, they, they were a team that jumped out and surprised everybody. But there's also a number of other teams that we kind of plan on hitting in some capacity or other. Some teams might not take full deep dives. So it might be a couple of quicker conversations that you know get you know melded into one post or something like that. But right. either way, lots of content coming. Uh, keep it tuned here.
0: I agree. Uh, one guy I wanted to talk to is Steve Wiseman. Um, yeah covers Duke yeah and I mean Duke might not be playing postseason basketball this year so we we could just call him up he'll have some time on his hands and we'll see what he has to say about Cutcliffe I mean I got some questions
1: yeah that that's one of those where I I don't know how badly I want to talk about like the team at large as much as just kind of the Cutcliffe situation and get a few of his takes so yep might be a quicker conversation but I think a few important things to address there for sure yeah, that's a hit
0: record. Talk to me about Cutcliffe. All right, nice talking to you, Steve.
1: <laughs> yep, be well. Yep, <laughs> be well. Be well. Yeah, be well. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else?
0: I'm glad your electricity is back because I would feel a little bit guilty for like 30 seconds about you leaving Maggie with no power.
1: I, gosh, and that was the thing I was thinking about was I don't know that I would have had the option. Like if if right. this were the weekend you know that your your party was scheduled for, the airports right. were closed for a lot of the yeah. week, and I mean that would have yep. been a mess. So, um, hopefully, we don't have another random ice storm here middle of this week that shuts stuff down. I, I went on walks the last couple of days with shorts on, so yeah. it seems like everything's corrected itself. But
0: not not fourteen degrees anymore.
1: Not anymore. No, it was like yeah. seventy two today, so right. it's fine. Nice, uh, Mike. Let's get out of here. Uh, and, and what I would normally say, we'll talk soon. Uh, I'll see you soon. How's yeah. that?
0: Yeah, sounds good to
1: me. All right. Well, in the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel VT. And together we are at BC Podcast ACC, which is where you can find all the hijinks coming here in the next few days. We're also at BC Podcast ACC on Instagram, which I'm sure will also have hijinks of its own uh mike they can find us on itunes google Podcasts, spotify all those good places please do uh you can send us an email with questions comments concerns the longest email address known to man basketballconferencepodcast podcast at gmail.com nailed it thank you and you want to tell them where else they can find us on social medias
0: facebook facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review find all of our podcasts there go to homefieldapparel.com use the promo code go acc to check for 20 percent off your first order
1: you absolutely should cannot recommend that enough uh mike Let's get out of here and let's uh, let's go meet each other. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. We will uh, we will talk then. We will record then. We will maybe or maybe not podcast or, or uh, post it then. So we'll see. We'll see. In any case, we'll talk to the people again soon. And until we then, will. for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC.